This is exactly right. This is the mini-sode. This is the mini-sode. Speaking of which, actually, we're going to do it live this Friday, right? Next episode. Yeah. Yeah, on the it, fan call. It is this Friday. Yeah. Live streaming. First time ever. Right. Week, no editing. Right. Um, Our secrets are revealed. That's right. This Friday. The this Friday. Fourth? Yeah. In the fan cult. Yes. So join the fan cult if you want. I think this is going to be like a a, a, um, test run and then maybe see how it goes and go from there. Yeah, we'll see if we like it and if it works for us personally. How how much we just humiliate ourselves without editing. And then if it works, we'll both start playing Halo on the fan (laughs) cult. Come watch us. Game. Um, Well, (laughs) do you want to go first? Sure. The subject line of this is Old school hometown. Mm, <clears throat> classic. It says, you asked for more hometowns in the classical style. So here, period, you, period, go. <laughs> period. <laughs> Most Minnesotans probably point to Jacob Wetterling as their true crime awakening, which Georgia told beautifully a while back. Oh, thank you. But for me, it's always been the abduction and murder of Katie Poirier. In spring of 1999, 19-year-old Katie was working late night at a gas station in her hometown of Moose Lake. A man in a Yankees jersey and a ball cap was seen on surveillance coming in and speaking to Katie at the counter, then leading her out of the store by the neck, never to be seen again. Yeah. My family had to drive through Moose Lake on the way to my grandparents, and the highway was full of billboards asking for any information on Katie's whereabouts. The one I remember the clearest was Katie in a silver satiny button-up with hair pulled back in a scrunchie. Literally could have been any girl in the late 90s. It's been 21 years, and I still haven't forgotten it. Mm. Luckily, an employee at the subway next door had seen a Ford truck pull up to the station and took notice of the license plate. Mm. Oh, thank you. Brilliant. Starting with 557 and ending with a Y. As sketches of the captor and the surveillance video, which got sent to NASA for detail refinement, went to the 1999 version of Minnesota Viral, a co-worker of Donald Hutchinson noticed some similarities and remembered him being weird the week of the abduction and called the police less than a month later. Mm. Turns out Hutchinson was actually Donald Blom, who had been working under a pseudonym and had a history of abducting women, which at one point landed him on the sex offender registry. He had taken his third wife's last name when they married as a way to escape Mm. his background. Red flag. Right? His truck's license plate was 557HDY, and he had property near the gas station. After a thorough investigation, police found bone and tooth fragments in his fire pit. Mm. They were Katie's. Blom was convicted of first-degree murder in the summer of 2000. He has appealed, but his wife, who originally had provided an alibi in the trial, recanted her statement to legislators, saying that he was not home the night of the abduction, and she believed him to be the killer, as he had been abusing her for the majority of their marriage mm. and would often be missing for days. Oh, yeah. Police have since tried to tack him to other cases of, of abducted and murdered women in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. In the early 90s, he was a key suspect in one disappearance under the name Donald Pence. But they have not 
been able to make anything stick. At least he is forever behind bars. Katie's billboards changed from calls for help to memorials. And that's when my love of true crime began. Hmm. SSDGM. No name. Wow. What a tragic story. Yeah. I mean, that unfolding as you're a child and seeing it in billboards and hearing your parents talk about it and teachers and stuff is just like it'll it'll sear into your memory for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. And also, I think that when they said it like the 90s way of going viral, that thing where you would see something like that and it would be so shocking and striking because that was the only way they could get word out. Right. That this this girl was missing and that people, they needed help and they needed people to participate. And God bless that, like that, that, person who worked at subway was paying attention and and cared enough to like write down what they saw and remembered that person saved so many lives because that guy would have obviously i believe i'm sure he did it before i'm sure he would have kept doing it it's incredible yeah it's so good yeah that's a good one that was a great job good job good job nameless uh (laughs) wonderful email writer good job good job um, this one is called My Uncle Was Arrested for Murder. And I picked these out like a week ago. So I don't remember what they say. And it's going to be a surprise to me, too. So this that's, is uh, that's what makes it fun and exciting. Exactly. Hello, all. As soon as I was introduced to your podcast, I knew that I needed to write in to share my story. And I'm finally getting around to it. Hashtag quarantine. The story is a bit long, so sorry, but this is something that completely rocked my whole world. Family secrets always sound super cool until they happen to you slash involve murder. Mm. I'm 22 years old and only recently found out about my family's deep and dark secret. Let's rewind to how I found out. Last winter, my older sister and my father were sitting in the living room having a discussion. When I walked into the room, they immediately got quiet. And after a few seconds, my sister said, yeah, she definitely doesn't know. Obviously intrigued, I asked uh, who didn't know what, and my dad looked at my sister and then back at me and asked if I knew how my aunt, my mom's sister-in-law, had died. When I answered saying she was in an accident, my dad nodded and proceeded to ask if I knew what kind of accident. My apparently naive and stupid self replied, car? Because when you grow up being told your aunt died in an accident, I feel like it's normal to presume it was a car accident. Or am I wrong? Question mark, question mark. No. My dad shook his head no and said that he didn't think I wanted to know how it happened because it was sad. Therefore, my first thought was suicide. When I suggested that option, my dad shook his head no again and said, she was murdered. Your uncle strangled her. This was the first and last time that anyone in my family would talk about the murder with me. Because I was obviously not going to leave it at that, I did some digging on my own. And after a lot of research, I found out that my uncle, all caps, my mother's brother, and my aunt were having an argument about leaving him for another man when my uncle got so angry that he beat and strangled her with his hands. When he, when he, quote, snapped back to reality, he saw my aunt lying on the ground. My uncle was the one who called 911, which is why it was ruled first degree manslaughter instead of murder. He was sentenced to eight to 25 years and was released after eight, which happened to be a few months before I was born. My family pretends nothing happened. And if I hadn't walked into my dad and sister's conversation that day, then I would have known nothing about this. To this day, my mom does not know that I know. And it was implied that I should never bring it up again. 
I understand wanting to put the past behind you, but I also think that I deserve to know that the same hand that shakes my boyfriend's hand on the holidays and the ones that helped raise me when I was little were also the sole weapons in a murder. I hope that your family secrets aren't as dark and twisted as mine. Stay sexy and don't get murdered, especially by your uncle. Here's what surprises me or like what I didn't see coming. Yeah. Is that they're still a part of the, they're still in the family. Yeah. And look, we don't know the details. We don't know the context. Um, no judgment. Right. But I was like, Oh, that it's like it happened. And then, and then move on. They're, yeah, move they're on. just, I mean, who knows? Who knows what the context was? But oh my God. It's that thing you yeah. like, you can never imagine how a family deals with something like that until you're that family. And I'm sure it's like, you have all these, we have all these, like, I would never do this. And I would always do this. And I would do that and that. And it's like, okay, well then that's your brother too, that you grew up with. So right. What the fuck? And I feel like when we started this podcast, it was easy to do that because we were so far on the outside. And the longer we do this and the more people we meet and the more emails we read, it is not that simple, obviously. That's like such a that's our learning curve is that kind of thing where this I think it happens more than people think it does. And I think that those uh, the complexity of anything like that is like you just can't say and you you know from the outside we you can say whatever you want about what you think you would do you have no clue yeah what we what you would do if someone if it it was that close to you it's beyond comprehension until you have to fucking deal with it and then you have no idea i also think it's interesting that uh, I wonder if that person was the youngest or like, did they say? No, but I'm guessing. Why they would be kind of like the out. last to find out. Yeah. Because that was, that happened to me in our family all the time. Obviously n- right. not to that extent, but to the extent of like, my cousin got divorced and everyone forgot to tell me. And I was in the wedding. <laughs> oh my God. Like it wasn't like I didn't know my cousin. Wow. It was like very close to me. And then I saw, after they broke up, yeah. we we all saw him, and then I I asked him where she was because I yeah. I thought they were still married, and then he his whole face dropped. It was this dramatic <gasps> thing, and I turned to my mom and my aunt Sheena, and I was like, "You never tell me what? anything." Like I had it like almost temper tantrum because I was so embarrassed, yeah. and because they would do that all the time. That's pertinent like, information if you're going to see that person ever again. Yes, <laughs> like, but I maybe they just didn't expect. Yeah, they didn't expect it, but it is that kind of thing where I think. You know, sometimes that is the coping mechanism, which is just yeah. we don't we're not going to just t- we're not going to talk about it. And we keep it a secret as long as we can. Totally. And that Ugh. makes sense. Why? It's also just like hard and awful. Yeah. Whew. All right. Here, want some more hard and awful stuff? Yes, please. I've got, I've got one right here for you. My relatives was well, very similar. My relatives and then in parentheses. Yes, that's plural are in prison for murder. Whoa. Hi, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, and Pets. I love your podcast, and I wanted to share my family story. I live in a small town of about a 1,000 people in Alberta, Canada. In 2011, a relative of mine, Miles Nasland, went missing. Mm. His wife, Helen, suggested to police that he may have died by suicide. Miles was an abusive alcoholic, and they were having financial issues as well. Helen also struggled with depression and had attempted suicide. Things were not going well for Miles and Helen, so the police did consider Miles a missing person, and most people believed that it was suicide. 
six years later, an underwater recovery team from the RCMP searched the slough near their farm. In the water, they found a large toolbox, and I bet you can guess what was in it. Mm, tools. In 2011, Miles and Helen were fixing farm equipment that broke down while Helen was operating it, and Miles was very angry. He told Helen that she would, quote, pay dearly for damaging the equipment. Miles' anger continued that evening when he knocked everything off the kitchen table during dinner, telling Helen, quote, this meal was not fit for a dog. That night, Helen decided that she had had enough. Wow. While he was sleeping, she shot him twice in the back of the head. The next day, Helen and one of their three sons put his body in a toolbox along with some added weights. They welded the box shut and threw it in the water near their house. They threw the guns in the water and burned the mattress and bedding. Helen reported to police the next day that he was missing. And for six years, Helen and her son got away with it until her son revealed the secret to a friend. Mm. Soon after that, Miles's body was found. In October of 2020, Helen pled guilty to manslaughter and her son pled guilty to offering indignity to human remains. She's now serving 18 years in prison while her son is serving three. And that's the story of my criminal relatives. Thanks for reading. Stay sexy and don't tell your friends where you hid the body. Wow, that's fresh. That's a, less than a month ago. Right. Holy crap. That's right. It did. They just they just went to jail. Yeah. It's more <laughs> heavy family. Like, yeah. That's a family. That's a six year family secret. I would imagine. Yeah. Wow. Six fucking that, years. That could have continued on. Yeah. If that guy hadn't gotten high and whew, told his friends a secret. I mean, I that would make sense. Like after that amount of time, that first of all, I think that would feel like so much longer than six years. Yeah. And then you're just like, eh, who's going to. Eh. Or it's like, I've known this person for fucking 15 years. They would never tell anyone. And then it's like, you underestimate how freaked out people are going to be by you saying that to them, you know? Oh my God. Like, I don't. I mean, yeah. I love my friends. I don't think there's a single one of them I wouldn't fucking rat on if I found out about that. Oh, I'd rat both of you out in a heartbeat. <laughs> just immediately. You told on us even though we didn't do anything. You told the cops <laughs> it's just like, us. have you looked at Stephen Ray Morris for this? I <laughs> just think. You, I really think you should dig up his backyard. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. The this hits just keep coming. I mean, truly. This one's called Found a Box of Murder Victim Remains at Work. I just started a new job at a small history museum. The other day, as I was putting some things away in the collections room, I decided to snoop around a little because I am not yet familiar with the collection. I saw a box on a low shelf simply labeled Postmortem Miscellaneous. Obviously, this sparked my interest. Having come from working at a 19th century medical history museum, fucking amazing, probably, right? Yeah, God. I expected this box to contain postmortem dissection kits that doctors use to dissect cat cadavers. I lifted up the lid and was immediately shocked to see some foot bones inside of a decaying sock and shoe. Oh. a skull, and some mysterious wet specimens in little jars. I was equally freaked out and intrigued, but not wanting to welcome any bad juju into my life, I shut the lid on the box and went back upstairs to the office to inquire about the body parts I had casually encountered on a Wednesday morning at work. Mm -hmm. Turns out that my boss is a retired homicide detective Whoa. and had used these homicide victims' remains as educational tools when he taught forensics to new detectives in the 70s and 80s. Whoa. Some of these are remains that he literally found on the job. 
I assume he's authorized to have them now, but honestly, who knows? It was the 70s. Yeah, really. (laughs) Apparently, he now uses these remains to increase the scare factor at Halloween-themed events at the museum and local historic cemetery, as if the 18th and 19th century cemetery at night isn't creepy enough on its own. Yeah, he's a character. Stay sexy and beware when opening boxes labeled post-mortem miscellaneous, Catherine. Sorry for needing this clarity. Go ahead. Yes. Were the remains from the 1800s? The remains were from pre-70s and 80s, it looks like. And then the the cemetery in town is from the 18th and 19th century. Okay. We're just... We're just gonna hope. We're just gonna assume and hope that those they they've been ID. Yes, cases have been cleared. Right, and protocol has been met and, had and shook hands with. And these are just John Doe remains and not right. And because yeah, it makes me think of that story. Remember the story I did where the TV show was shooting at the yes. at the like carnival and they thought it was a stuffed. Yes, that uh, skeleton had, had been and, like throughout the ages had been through different things. Yeah, oh my God. it was an actual person's body. I mean, one would hope. Yeah. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know it sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world for years they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware some of tom colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in maiden whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products like their carbon steel cookware it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame it's the mvp of summer cookouts and cook-ins 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. This, I love this one. Um, I'm not going to read you the subject line because it'll wreck it. Dear MFM. I was nine years old in 1984 when stranger danger was at an all-time high in my small Canadian suburb. Have all mine been Canadian? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, Canada. (laughs) Okay. It wasn't just paranoia. The local paper had multiple stories of young girls being approached by a creepy teenager trying to lure them off the playground at nearby schools. Despite many descriptions given to the police, they couldn't find the guy. One day, my friend Natalie and I were walking home for lunch because, yes, in 1984, (laughs) even a roaming neighborhood predator wasn't enough motivation for our parents to pick us up from school. Oh, that is just classic. (laughs) It's very much the truth. I mean, they talk about how like the stranger danger thing like said in this paranoia and stuff but I think it was needed yeah I don't know if it was an overreaction it's almost like stranger danger because we're still gonna let you run free so make sure you don't talk to strangers because you're not gonna have any protection otherwise (laughs) yeah because there will be no adult around so you're on your own kind of negotiating this situation (laughs) the only weapon you have is to not talk to that person you don't know that's it. Oh, and also, I'm surprised there weren't posters that just said, run, run, run away. Don't forget to run. It's okay to run away. <laughs> okay, so that that was one long sentence. So okay. basically, I'll read the beginning without that parenthet- funny parenthetical. Okay. One day, my friend Natalie and I were walking home for lunch when we saw a teenage boy approaching us through a heavily treed path mm. up ahead. Mm. Immediately... Natalie grabbed my arm and pointed. This guy's zipper was down and his penis was sticking right out. Frozen with shock, we stopped in our tracks on the path. He walked straight up to us and said, you like this? You want to touch it? 36, and this is in parentheses, 36 years later, and I will never forget those creepy words. With all the courage I could muster, I quietly said, no, that's gross. He stared down at us for a second. 
and then just walked away. My heart was pounding. I couldn't believe I'd come face to face with a guy who had been eluding local police for weeks. But here's the thing. This dick had flashed the wrong girls. Turns out he lived directly across the street from Natalie. Holy (laughs) shit. She knew his name and his address. We both ran home to our moms and the cops were at the perv's house before we finished eating lunch. Yes. We even got driven back to school in a police car. Because, yes, in 1984, even an attempted sexual assault wasn't an excuse to stay home. The best part was reading about his arrest in the local paper where the police thanked, quote, two brave fourth grade girls for his capture, which made us feel extra badass. Stay sexy and keep it in your pants. Jay. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Great job. Finally, something uplifting from Canada. (laughs) For once. Jesus, Canada. Uh, Two brave fourth grade girls. I remember when I was in like kindergarten, I was super like around that age and I was walking home from school alone, as you do when you're five, Mm. because I was a latchkey kid. God, was I that young? Okay. And there was five or six. Yeah. Yeah. There were some teenage, what looked like to me, teenage boys hanging out in our little cul-de-sac, you know, parking lot. And I'm sure they weren't teenagers, but. I'm, and I'm sure they were just fucking with this little five-year-old. And they go, hey, little girl, want some candy? You know, like the classic. Sure. And I yelled, no, and ran to my house, <laughs> which where they could see where I lived. But And I was alone all day, whatever. But I was so proud of myself because I was, I had, you know, dare was a big thing. <laughs> so proud of myself. You said no to their candy and their drugs. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now I'm going to be alone in this house if you need anything else. Oh, knock right on this door over here. <laughs> I'll be questions. watching cartoons. <laughs> All right. Um, Badass war grandma and a spy question mark. Howdy. I've been a big fan for a while and you two have really been getting me through Zoom lectures and accompanying accompanying grievances. Very sexy of you. This is a badass grandma story. I know you love those. My grandma Elsa was born in 1933 in Manila, Philippines. She grew up in a small village outside of the city during World War II with her younger siblings and lots of cousins. When Japan invaded, Elsa and her family had to go into hiding to avoid being arrested by Japanese soldiers. She told me about how she, at eight years old, had to do all sorts of insane things to not get caught. She and her brothers hid in the mangroves using a reed as a snorkel for over six hours. Oh, shit. Pretended to be dead on the side of the road. Illegally bred tilapia in a well. And then parentheses says a gross white fish. (laughs) A gross white fish. And even had to climb over a wall of dead bodies on more than one occasion. At fucking eight years old. Oh, my God. Everyone she was hiding with had nicknames, too, so as not to alert the Japanese to their identities or location. This would explain my aunt named Ding Dong and her husband Ping Ping. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Like, you just called them that your whole lives, and then you realize it's because they're fucking war heroes. Yeah. Uh, The most unsettling thing she ever told me was that she, quote, could kill and eat a horse if the moment ever arose. (laughs) Can you imagine your grandma telling you that? Like, night, night. Night, night, Emma. Her name's Emma. Just like an eight-year-old girl snapping a horse's neck. Oh, my God. And then like, and then, yeah. 
Jesus. First of all, get that goes against everything that's in a little girl. Totally. To kill a horse. I love horses. Oh, really? Because I and your grandma and I can fucking kill and eat a horse if I wanted to. I used to eat I used to eat horses just for fun on the weekends. That's how that's what a badass I was. Oh my god. Uh, Elsa also told me about the horrible things she saw during the war, including watching her neighbors get taken by the Bataan Death March to be killed. Ooh, ooh. That's B-A-T-A-A-N, if anyone's into history. Baton Death March. If this wasn't a crazy enough experience for everyone in the Philippines at the time, apparently Elsa's uncle was a spy. Then it says, of course he was. This crazy bastard hit a radio in the wall of a nunnery that the family was hiding in to send secret codes to Portugal and England in hopes of stopping the Japanese invasion. I wasn't told a lot about this, but I guess he had a pretty big role because not soon after my grandma and her siblings found the radio, the war was over. Whoa. Besides her horrible time growing up during a war and seeing some pretty gruesome things, Elsa turned out to be a total badass, which is like, what else are you going to fucking be? (laughs) Yeah. Hell yes, she was. She eventually got married and fled to England with her six kids, including my dad. She taught them all of her war secrets and some less than lethal habits, like how to line a suitcase so TSA can't see what you have hidden in your suitcase. (laughs) Gather around, kids. Mom's got Is it um, for strange soils or plants that you want to take to Hawaii? Get over here. I'll show you how to get. Oh, you want to bring a lizard in. to your friends that you're going to visit? And the- here you go. Some of to Ireland. Do it. Some of her other escapades include building a plane with her husband, establishing what? establishing a nightclub in Beijing under my family's name, founding an art collection at the Metropolitan Museum of Manila, and visiting every continent. Yes, all of them. Whoa. She lives a quieter life now in Southern England, <laughs> working on a book about her time in the war. We'll see if she ever publishes it. Can we she start a better. fucking exactly right publishing company right now? Yes, Just we, this, this is it. Book. The imprint Elsa. begins today. Stay Get sexy. over here. Stay sexy and don't eat a horse in wartime. Emma from Massachusetts. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I I'm obsessed with using a reed as a a snorkel. That's cartoon level shit. Uh, uh, oh my god, that just like holy shit! And they yeah, they just had to. They had to do what they had to do. Totally. They had to wring that horse's neck. They had to. They had to survive a fucking war in their hometown, and they fucking did it. It's just they, oh my as, god, as children. It's crazy. Elsa. Elsa. Mass, massive high five. What's funny you. is that Emma says that she's 20. She just gave her age. And so that means that <laughs> Elsa could be like 60. <laughs> she could be like, we could be like drinking buddies with her, probably. But, but, sweet. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think so because what war? She, I, I assumed it was oh, World right. War II. <laughs> right. No, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, 1933. No, you're right. They're right. Mathematically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't work. It, w- it wouldn't work. But we can but still. Still have a drink with her. I mean, we could still have fun. <laughs> Obviously, she's I, the idea too that she went through such horrible things and then went on to be like, "Oh, now I'm going to live the most nuts life." Yeah. Like, I, was, I really want to talk about the nightclub. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a nightclub and like basically a whole building a, a plane. 
They built a plane. Did they fly the plane? I don't know. And was it just for Instagram selfies? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They just rented it out to fucking influencers. <laughs> oh, you want to look rich? Come over to Elsa's. She'll let you she'll let you sit back there and pretend you're a Kardashian. Oh my God. So wow. many questions. Emma, write us more about Elsa or send a picture or, tell, or something. Tell Elsa to write that book. Get someone That's get right. a Get a stenographer in there ASAP. That's get right. all those good stories down. What's that thing we do ads for? Storyworth? Fucking sign your promo code if murder. There's ever sign. been a Storyworth integration <laughs> needed to happen? We'll do it. Let us know. We'll we probably it. get you a free one. That that would be it. Get, get the president of Storyworth to Elsa's house yesterday. <laughs> we need to know. Christ's sake. Oh my God. Send us your fucking amazing stories we can't wait stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Goodbye. elvis do you want a cookie